there. Welcome to another episode of Changing of the Guard podcast. I'm your host, Chantel Flavia. This week, I get to speak with the amazing, the illustrious, the fantastic singer, songwriter, actress, and my producer, Grace Flavian. I'm super stoked that she was able to kind of like sit down and talk with me beyond the fact that like she's an amazing producer. She's also like a super fantastic conversationalist. Talking for like three hours is never tiring with her. So this week we got to talk about a pretty fun and interesting kind of conversation that's kind of happening to, if not y'all, totally me. Um, It's kind of like talking about um, imposter syndrome, validity, kind of like how do you validate yourself as an artist? How do you validate your work? How do you keep pushing, hustling? And there's no other person that I know that would probably be able to like really talk about that hustle than Grace. This woman can do so many things and more. There's so many projects and stuff that I've done that I personally feel like I wouldn't have gotten through without her creativity, her ingenuity, and just, you know, her can-do attitude. So, um, you know, strap in and uh, let's go ahead and hear about what producer Gracie's got to think about this whole, you know, being an actress, singer, songwriter, producer in the era and COVID land. All right, strap in. Hey, um, thanks, Gracie, for coming in. Thank you for having me. How has your week been going? Oh, it's <laughs> it's been an interesting week. I had set this weekend. Um, I was an extra. And so, yeah, I have a lot of, of work to do. But it was a wonderful experience so far. Okay, cool beans, cool beans. How has 2020 been treating you with this? Like, I know that you're, like, an, you know, an actor, singer, songwriter, and you recently graduated. Congratulations uh, for that. But Thank how you. has it been, like, kind of, like, integrating yourself, like, in the Atlanta film and entertainment base, uh, especially, like, you know, after COVID? Um, like, dealing with, like, you know, because your profession requires you to, like, physically be there, kind of talking to people. Right. Um... It's definitely been an experience. I mean, I just graduated um, at the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, like, my idea was to move to New York. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to focus on acting and, you know, still do my singing and songwriting. Um, but I wanted to move to, move to New York because I felt like it had so much opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I was saving up and I had some roommate plans, um, you know, COVID hit. And, of course, that changed so many things as we're all kind of staying at home and um, kind of, I'm taking remote jobs, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've been lucky to be able to be in Atlanta at least. So it is kind of picking up. I know that other industries are having trouble right now, like New York, LA, all those places. Since it's so crowded, there aren't a lot of um, ways for you to do what we usually do. Um, so at least Atlanta has been picking up and I've gotten to do some extras work. Um, I'm still taking classes online. I've taken like an actor, actor class, um, singing classes. So yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a slow start to what I wanted to do, but I think that it's good that to still stay creative. Yeah. You talked earlier about like doing like remote jobs. Like, um, how did you like adjust? I think I would say from like, you know, acting in the sense of just, like, doing TV and then doing, like, you know, plays and musicals, and then you're, like, adjusting to, like, remote work. What is it like being a freelance, you know, performer in that sense? Like, how is the industry feeling in that space? Oh, it's definitely uh, a learning curve, because you're going from, I mean, interacting and, and reacting to people in real time to now being on Zoom and having to try to navigate that new space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't gotten to do very much um, work 
on Zoom just yet, but I have gotten to take, like, those classes, and I can speak on that if you'd like. Um, I'd love that, actually, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that our, our listeners would love to know, like, hey, I just graduated from this college, and I have this degree, and now the thing I'm doing in my profession is completely shut down. What do I fucking do? Excuse me. Um, what do I do with my life? Like, what's going on? You know, it's, it's, it's so difficult because it's, like, you then begin to think to yourself, like, is it me as the person? Do I just have to find a way to switch up my hustle? And, and, and it affects, like, how you, you see yourself. You're like, oh, man. It's like, this is how my life is supposed to be, and it's not there. And you start thinking all these things, like, did I make the wrong choice? All of these crazy things. That's so true. I actually write, um, before COVID hit, like, January 2020, I did land a feature film mm-hmm. um, that I was really excited to do. Um, but I did kind of start having those thoughts of doubt where I was so excited because it was, like, my first thing after college. But then I was like do I know what I'm doing? Like, I know what I'm doing, but do I know what I'm doing? Mm. So I started taking some acting classes and trying to think of, like, how I, I can get right back into it. Um, and, of course, like I said, COVID hit. But um, with taking those classes, um, I got to, I mean, basically just affirm myself mm-hmm. because I did know exactly what I was doing. Those classes just kind of confirmed it. Right. Um, because, like, we were talking about character analysis, and I was like, whoa, like, I had all of the the skills and materials and resources all along. Um, the class did help me. Like, I did, you know, gain more resources. But um, it's just, it's all within you. You have to just believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, as for how things have changed, um, I mean, yeah, I think mainly it's a tech- technological change. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you now have to, like, make sure you have good Wi-Fi and make sure that your mic is, you know, working well and, mm-hmm. like, things like that. Um, and I haven't done a lot of character work, like, Mm -hmm. with other characters. They've been monologues, mainly. So I haven't had to deal with the, you know, delayed reactions of, like, other people. Um, but I know it is difficult. Yeah. I think, look, one of the things I think that's, like, really great, I think, um, with you is that you've also mentioned that you're, you're a producer. So that also helps because I think a lot of people, especially when you're doing, you know, acting and performing, unless you, like, kind of grew up with, like, maybe, you know, Vine or, like, you're doing YouTube, you would think to yourself, like, you know, I'm an actor, I'm a performer, I'm a singer, that's it. But there's another side of it that goes into, like, the quality of the work that you give, the quality of, like, you know, hey, I gotta make sure that this mic is doing this, and these are some effects that I can do when it comes to the camera and the angles and the lighting. And being a producer has really helped in that space. So, you're nodding your head. No, um, yeah, I definitely have a, a thought on that. Like, I've... Oh God, I hate to say this. I mean, like, with the kind of different change in platforms where we're not able to be, like, physically there anymore, mm-hmm. of course, we've got a lot of creative people doing things virtually, which is awesome. But I've... Uh, it's funny to say, I think the best virtual performance that I've been to has been um, the Ratatouille musical. Ah, okay, let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, that was really interesting. It's like you really... It's so interesting that they did all of that with the creativity, the backdrop, the interesting choice of, like, monologues. They had, like, professional yeah. actors coming in on this very brilliant thing. I think my favorite one is... um, I'm so sorry that I do not know the name, but the the, the Susef, the one who was, like, trying to go after Linguini and, um, oh, and Remy. Oh, yes, she was wonderful. She was amazing! I was like, I love this. I love how the... It's just great. Yeah, I mean, I just... I don't know. I guess I just saw, like, a completely just different thing. Because from the other virtual performances I was watching, 
Um, I just felt like it didn't capture your attention for long enough. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd find myself just wanting to leave within the first, like, five, ten minutes. Right. But with, like, Ratatouille, I wanted to watch the whole thing. I Mm -hmm. was always, um, engaged to watch the whole thing. And maybe it was, you know, probably because, yeah, like, their effects weren't cringy and weird. Mm -hmm. And, of course, like, their actors were, you know, really good and amazing. Linguini? The guy who played Linguini? I believed him, because he looked, he looked like Lini, too. It was awesome. So. Yeah. I also wanted to say, like, you know, how do you think that your um, producing background, I mean, it's it's definitely different than, like, you know, what you've been doing when you're training in college and when you're doing all of your internships, but producing is kind of, like, kind of holding it together and helping you to kind of, like, I would say, maybe adjust to this world a little bit better, because it's, like, if you're just, like, I'm just supposed to be in front of the camera, I'm just supposed to do this thing, I'm sure it's probably putting a lot of people in for the loop. So how do you feel like your production um, background is really kind of, like, helping you with adjusting to the change of COVID? For sure. Like, right now I am, um, right now I am associate producing a theater festival, Mm -hmm. um, called the SoFi Festival. Nice, which is... Um, in New York? Which is in New York, yes. <laughs> Sofa Festival in New York. Artistic director, Jody Christofferson. So yeah, right now we're working on that. And of course, we would do solo performances. That's mainly what the, the festival's about. And um, we're having to change it uh, to be more virtual so we can accommodate from COVID. But even just seeing what other people are doing right now, like people are doing audio plays where like you're just walking through a space and you've got your headphones on or usually it's outside, like you're walking like along like in New York and they have a whole audio play going on. Or there was another performance group that had um, performances in West Village in like the the storefronts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They were like, you know, performing in the storefronts, trying to keep it COVID safe. so yeah, like there's definitely a lot of creativity that was going on. So I think that I guess we're just talking about um, production and how that like, you know, is definitely adding um, the length and changing how you're able to perform. Because as I said before, some people who are performers, yes, they're performers in like that space where they're just like, okay, I'm just, you know, do, do my thing. But mm. the producing aspect and element of it is just kind of adding into it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's just up to you to do it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, we, we have all of these different resources. We have, like, YouTube and, and, like, social media. So, like, people are already doing it, especially with TikTok. Right. Um, which is, like, how the Ratatouille musical was made. Right. So, I think that it's definitely possible. Um, it might take a, a quick learning curve, get some editors to help you. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely something that you're able to do on your own, yeah. Yeah, I I think it's really amazing that, like, you know, um, you kind of don't have to start from scratch because you already have, like, that background or you're just like, oh, I need to edit a video? Cool, I got you. I'm familiar with the tech. Do I need to go ahead and, um, you know, be yet another producer for another um, type of project? Lit, I got you. You you were, like, so ready to just, like, kind of jump in with all of that. (laughs) Oh, right, yeah, because I have done that before, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, most people, I mean, I would think, probably wouldn't be, like, oh, do I need to produce my own stuff now and I have to be the one who's behind the camera and then jumping in the front and then jumping in the back and being like, is the light going for me? Is that not going for oh, me as well? Oh, that's so right. Yeah. Because I am that's, I am content creating and I started my YouTube channel. Exactly. Okay. That's what I was going into because I'm like, yeah. you are the producer and you're the subject. So that's an interesting space because like for me, I mean, granted, I don't have like that much writing experience, but if I had to go, if someone was like, hey, I need you to write and direct, I'm just going to be like, what? Like, I'm not a huge, like, detailed-oriented individual. I'd have to have so much experience and do it, like, every day for, like, at least a month and be like, 
oh yeah, we can't shoot today because if we're gonna shoot today, we need to do X, Y, Z, Z, Z. We need to do a shot list. We need to do this and this and this. And you are just like, okay, are we doing this? Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. Let's get this together. I like, see. I remember how you've done like all of that. We had to do a commercial for that business. And I was just like the camera lady and I'm just holding it on to it. And you're like, you're my DP. And I'm like, I'm your what? And you're like, <laughs> I, you're my... Do I have to also be my own DP? And I'm just like, okay, great. Um, and you're just like, I wish we had a shot list. You're looking at the light and you're just like, that light needs to be brighter here. This needs to be here. And I need you to come in and follow me here and drive me through here. And we're going to do this. And the scene's going to start here. If I was with a different person, you would have been like, do we not have a director? Do we not have a DP? Do we not have X, Y, Z, Z, Z? And it's like the production probably wouldn't happen and it wouldn't have the same quality. I mean, ironically enough, I make you my DP often. <laughs> You do make me your DP so hard, and I'm just like, I might, I, I might have glasses, but bruh, I don't have the eye for anything. Oh, lol. Like I'm trying, but it it just takes a lot of like practice and a lot of work. No, yeah, yeah. I well, I enjoy being. I've always been really organized and detail oriented, so I just know how to like piece things together um, to get what I want in the end of the. the, the to get my product right and can you go in a little bit more about that like how do I would say maybe actors or performers who are shifting into this new digital technology what are some things that they can take from like this learning curve are there some things that if you had someone or if you could go back in time and talk to your past self and say so these are some things you're going to need to know what would you advise or give well I mean I think the the only a blessing of COVID, which is funny to say, has been that it has given us a lot of time. Mm. Um, and I did take the the earlier stages stages of this time to um, to learn more mm-hmm. and like figure out exactly like how I, I need to get those things done. I knew that I wanted to start my YouTube channel, right? But I didn't have the materials quite yet. Mm-hmm. So um, I did end up getting like a MacBook and stuff. I already had my microphone and right. stuff from um, taking some classes in college. Um, and of course, I mean, luckily I did take a, um, like an editing class in college as well. Luckily. <laughs> so that did help me with, you know, getting, getting editing skills. Um, so yeah, I think now is a, a wonderful time for you to jump into just learning those things and not right. being afraid to try because mm-hmm. if you don't try, then you'll never know what you're able to do. And even if the first thing is horrible, Like, at least you did it and you learned from that experience and you don't have to post it. Like, (laughs) this has nothing to do with anything, right? I mean, I am a horrible dancer, which is probably something that I shouldn't say, but I'm not good. I have to work really hard for me to get something down. Right. Um, And, like, I got a TikTok where, like, I started trying to learn new TikTok dances just Mm -hmm. to, like, get better at it. And so, yeah, I did, like, the 34-35 Ariana Grande dance and... I didn't post it, but, like, <laughs> it's something that I'm learning, something new. I just try to stay creative, so. Now, I totally get you. Like, as you were mentioning before, like, when I had to be, like, your DP, oh, my goodness. There was, like, so much that was there. But even now, like, as I've practiced and I've gotten, like, more comfortable, you're just like, hey, I'm doing this commercial. Hey, I have this new Fiverr thing that's going on. Can you be my person sticking pictures? I can now kind of be, like, I know it's a better picture than when I first started. I now know what is super obvious, which is just, like, you know, don't cut off the shoes because the whole outfit is there. But I'm just like, if I'm taking a picture, I'm just like, up, 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 hold that again. And even when we were like, um, I think we were like at the square in our town and I took that picture and you just like did something super random. Like, no, 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 do that again. Come back. And I took that picture and it was a great photo and a great moment. And beforehand, because I kind of really don't do a lot of stuff with my friends, I didn't really take pictures with everybody. And I just felt like really awkward asking them to do that because it has always felt a little scummy. 
like, oh, I'm using you guys right now to like take a picture, capture it and put it out there and show some beauty in the world. But it also feels kind of scummy because you're my subjects and it doesn't feel like I'm compensating you properly or whatever. But just by having that moment, I'm just like, ah, cool. Like six, seven months ago, I wouldn't have said that's a good moment. Hold it right there and take that picture. And then we used it. You like literally using it for your Bumble profile right now. You definitely really developed your eye for sure. A little bit. And um, I mean, I did want to touch on uh, content creation because that is something that I also jumped into. Yes. Um, and yeah, that's definitely where I have to be my own like script writer, mm-hmm. actor, and I also have to like be your own director, be my own director, and like you know s- stage it, light it, like sound all of it get the grip (laughs) (laughs) i'm like yeah and it is definitely a lot to do right now i'm doing different videos for select companies um through the company that i work with right um and what i do is they they send me the brief of like whatever they'd like me to do in those videos and i have to figure out what i'm going to say and how to best promote the product right so usually i like to take you know the day to think about like I look into the the product, whatever mm-hmm. app I'm talking about, write my script, figure out how I want it to go. And as I'm writing the script, I'm already trying to think of, okay, they want a really snappy intro. What mm-hmm. do I need to do here? What do I need to do here? And I kind of break it down from there. Then I think about, you know, of course, what am I going to wear? I might, on my own hair and makeup, of course. I would love, very briefly, even for us to just talk about hair and makeup as a person of color, what is that like? Like, to go into it. Like, I remember when you were doing your um, photo shoot because you were redoing oh, yeah. your entire um, website so you could be able to, get, like, get more jobs. People would be like, oh, okay, that's not, like, the college picture that you had. You got, like, I'm like, no, professional. Mind you, they turned out very beautiful. Um, Thank you. And you got, like, a really great makeup person, but the search to find that person in the first place was a lot. Oh, yeah, it was difficult. Like, yeah, so uh, post-graduation, I wanted to get some new headshots. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... As I was getting together with the photographer, who is amazing, by the way, I, I want to plug him in. Please Joe, do. <laughs> Joe Funk Photography in Atlanta. He's also in LA. Um, he is so fantastic to work with. I really enjoyed my experience um, because he was just so, like, detail-oriented, just as much as I am. Mm-hmm. He was organized. He was always, like, really um, helpful and trying to help me think of what looks I wanted to go for and right. things like that. When it came down to hair and makeup... Um, I knew that I wanted to get a makeup artist and hair. I was a little nervous because I was like, you know, I kind of do my, I do my own hair and like, I'm nervous because he also had something that he wanted to like, um, offer up for us. Yeah, I remember. That he also uses. Mm-hmm. And like, she's fantastic. Like, she's got like her own company and, and I trust her. Sure. But like, I mean, I just was nervous because in my experiences, um, not having people of color do my hair and makeup has been difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, they either don't know what colors to put on you or mm-hmm. they end up making you look a little ashy or when it comes to hair, like I, I, I honestly don't trust people with my hair unless like I've been to them before. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I was a little nervous. And so I, I went in looking for people of color that I could trust to do right. my makeup at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took so long to find somebody. Mm-hmm. In fact, I didn't find anybody. I had to ask. A friend. I think I was just talking to Liz, my friend mm-hmm. Liz, and she's like, oh, I worked with a makeup artist on this set, and she's really great. You should talk to her. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, I went with her, and it was fantastic. <laughs> so... Please plug her in. Give her oh, her, yes. Give her all her credits. Yes. At Koi Mal- underscore Malone on Instagram. Um, she's fantastic. I, I really appreciated the work that she did. Mm-hmm. Um, she really helped me think of, like, the different styles for looks that I wanted to go for. Right. Um... 
and yeah, I, w- I was really comfortable and confident in her work. That's amazing. Yeah, um, but yeah, I did have like a little moment where I was just trying to find people and I felt like I couldn't, plus it was super last minute because mm-hmm. um, it was just approaching really quickly. Right. And yeah, I wasn't able to find somebody, so I'm very grateful that I found her. Yeah, that's amazing. And also, um, it's really great that like as you were like going into it, that even though like maybe it may not be like in your college curriculum, but you still like took classes that were like able to prepare you. So it's like as the shift is happening, you're like, okay, acting, content creating, and doing what is necessary. Because some people, like for me, for example, if I had to like really sit down and be like. I'm going to go ahead and have, like, my own content that I'm creating. I'm very big picture, and I'm also, like, a huge procrastinator. I probably would have been, like, last minute editing until, like, 5 in the morning and then having to go to work in the next day and just, like, doing all of that and having this huge learning curve of being, like, how does Photoshop work? How does these editing tools, like, that are here, like, work and having that learning curve to, like, add transitions and put the sound in? Ugh, I'm, I'm getting tired just thinking about it. I mean, I definitely did. I'm, I want to put a emphasis on education. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to take a couple classes when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, they were kind of, yeah, I went to art college. Shout out to SCAD. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like they did give us like that, that good foundation um, mm-hmm. in Photoshop and in e- editing, which I didn't think I was ever going to need. And look at you now. Right? <laughs> But then I also made sure, like, to continue taking classes. Like, mm-hmm. even as COVID was um, just beginning, like, I took my acting classes. I took, um, like, my singing classes. And within those classes that I took with actor therapy, like, they gave us some workshops. Right. And they told us, like, okay, so this is what you need to look for. This is, like, the backdrops that you need to use. These are the equipment that you need to use. Right. Um, and that was helpful as well. Like, it, it all helps. So just to keep looking for more more things that you don't know. Keep working towards the things so you can be knowledgeable and mm-hmm. then work towards making them skills, skill sets. Yeah. If there's something that you um, kind of get, like, to, to know about it when it comes to, like, confidence and, like, pushing yourself. Because I feel like, you know, granted, it's not like we had this conversation before. I'm just like, oh, hey, why don't you try working for this and that and the third? Uh, it's more just like you kind of want to work within an industry where you can kind of grow and learn. Did you feel like as, you know, you graduated and you're getting pushed in this whole new direction and you're applying to all these different places where it's just like you're dealing with rejection, which granted as creatives, it's it's in it's part of the job. You're always going to get rejected. It's either like it's not meeting what the client wants or they got someone else to go into it or anything else like that. Um, how were you able to kind of like have that confidence within you or like come to that stage where you're just like, you know what, I'm going to make my own space and push for that? And go into that. I'd that love is, to hear that story. That's a really good question. Um, and yeah, like this this change has definitely been one that has opened those questions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially, you know, in this industry, you have to be confident in your work and in yourself. Right. And I think that I find I find confidence in um, preparation. Right. So when I feel like I've prepared and done the best that I can, that's when I feel confident to then go forward and move forward with that. It is what, it's It's like I said, I think there was something that my teacher told me. It was the first time that I ever heard it. I was sitting in her voice class and, um, yeah, she had us all sit down. We were talking and she said, I want you all to remember that you are enough. There is nothing more that you have to do in this moment. Everything that you have done has led you to where you are right now. You are where you're supposed to be. 
and you're enough. And I've kept that with me all the time. So even when I feel my doubts, like sure, I'll have a moment where I'm like, that was horrible. I can't do this, right? But it's also something that I love to do. So as I was saying before, like I definitely, I attribute my confidence to my preparation. So if I continue working on something, I know I'm good at it, period. And eventually it just takes time for somebody to see it too. To create that confidence for myself, I just have to keep doing what I love. Mm -hmm. I had to keep training, I had to keep acting, keep singing, mm -hmm. taking classes. And even as I'm facing, the, you know, the rejections from auditions or callbacks or not getting like the, the songs that I want to sing, mm -hmm. um, that's when I decided to make my YouTube channel and like start doing my own thing. Because I, I know for sure that mm -hmm. there are people out there that are going to appreciate the art that I have to offer. Mm -hmm. I, I keep thinking about um, singing, right? right? Singing has been my first passion. Um, ever since I was so, so young, start with Disney and I just like theater and kept going, right? Mm -hmm. Classic theater tra transition. Yes. Classic theater. <laughs> I mean, right? I feel like almost every theater head has started with Disney or something. It's like every single caterpillar is over here eating that Disney leaf and then they metamorphize into like some musical and or play. <laughs> and then it's just like as they're sitting here being that theater kid wearing black, putting on eyeliner and saying dramatic things like you shan't and then get into like <laughs> Shakespeare. Then you evolve and you're like, I will work for Disney. Yes, that was the you just, dream. A dr you just come out of your cocoon and say, this is who I am now. And now every time we're in the car, it's just musicals, musicals, musicals. Yeah. I don't have like the, the typical voice, I guess. If you look at me and then you hear my voice, you're like, I didn't expect that to come out of you. Especially all through college, I really was pushing towards developing the voice that like would be impressive, right? Someone mm -hmm. could be like, wow, I, I positively didn't expect that voice to come out of you. Yeah, like you're trying to cultivate the ingenue and trying to push the envelope that the ingenue is not the typical Eurocentric, petite, tiny lady who's also singing the super strong ballad and you're like, where is the air re reserve coming from? Well, not just that. I mean, people, you know, it's, it's kind of a thing that, I've, of course, I've been dealing with where people say that, like, I'm not singing, like, black enough, right? Mm. It's not enough. Mm -hmm. you're, it's, it's, you need to do more. Mm -hmm. So I've been trying to push into like a belt here, like trying to get more of my belts, trying to figure out runs and like do those things. And my voice, like I love singing like pop, indie, and like alternative rock. Like I love those type singer songwriters type of songs. Right. You also so my are very voice, good in ballads too. Thank you. Yeah. I've heard you sing ballads. They're very gorgeous. So I just have a very de delicate voice. Um, so Having to face the rejection of, like, your voice isn't matching what we want you to match. Mm -hmm. And then pushing through that to being like, no, like, being black is not a monolithic experience. Mm -hmm. I can tell a different story. Mm -hmm. I will tell it in my way. Mm -hmm. And it can be accepted. And that's enough. And it's enough. Mm -hmm. And that takes immense courage. I feel like so many people, especially, like, you know, not just black people, of course, loads of people, particularly, like, as we're seeing now in media, there's, like, more, I would say, influences, like, you know, being, you know, um, Latinx, or definitely, you know, being Asian, and telling your story just by existing. But yes, not having that monolithic experience is huge. There's so many people who are just saying that, you know, blackness is being redefined. People of color and how we present ourselves and our stories are redefining. So we're making more spaces for ourselves and branching out and making the tree bigger in that space. So I do love that for you. The quest of validity, because I think we were talking about that like way earlier, which is why we kind of decided to talk about this, which is about, you know, what is valid? How do we as artists 
um, authenticate ourselves because so much of it comes from having either a mentor or an education space or school or even just having your own story to tell Mm -hmm. and it's so like it's such a huge journey to kind of go into that and to you know say I'm enough I have an authenticity my experiences matter my storytelling matters and putting that out there and I feel like you and I had such an interesting conversation about that because from where I'm coming from it's not to say that people's stories are not valid or not acceptable as a journalist there's kind of like a, if you're talking to somebody and you're getting their side of the story, cool beans. You're getting their side of the story. They're your source. They're your quote. That's what they're saying. But you're also writing it as it's their opinion. Unless they're like literally there recounting a thing that has literally happened. And you're like, there was a fire in 87th. I got a person who's near like, you know, 85th and they saw the building go up in flames. That's my source. They literally saw it. I was not there. I have to go ahead and take you and then I have to get two other people to authenticate that source. With creating and writing, we still, having the responsibility to tell a truth to a degree is still there, but then there's also like a little bit of like, I guess like a creative license, like there's a little more lean way into like how we tell stories and how we authenticate those stories. So it's interesting because it's like, in one space, it's like someone would think, oh, you don't have this, you don't have that, you didn't do this, you haven't done that, what are you doing here? And then there's another space where it's just like, you may not have done this, but the work, the evidence is here. You, you're doing the work. So how do we kind of like, as artists, because we're all trying to lift each other up, how do we authenticate that? How do we say like, oh yeah, totally? Because it's such an interesting, complicated question. There's like, you want quality of that level, but you also know that there has to be room to grow. Because um, I was going to say, I was like, yes, that was a really interesting conversation that we had the other day. We did. That's why we're literally having this podcast right now. We had a very interesting conversation, and I got offended when you said, like, that I forgot exactly what the context was. I think it had to deal with, like, we were having different ideas of, like, what validity is in different spaces. Like, you were saying that everyone's story, because it's theirs and it's their narrative, you can't tell them that it's not valid. Right, and I wholeheartedly believe that, like, like your story is enough. If, you, if you're going through an experience, mm-hmm. who, who, are, who are you or anybody to say that that's, that's not wrong valid. and exactly. that's not valid? Mm. Exactly. Um, I feel like that invalidity is, like, kind of a, a part of the problem mm-hmm. in the world. Right. And you were talking, let's see, you said, how can we fix that? It's more so just, like, how do we operate in a space as creatives where we can meet people where they are? Like, Mm. for example, we're not going to name names, but there have been, like, times where you've been offered positions from, like, plays and musicals and films, and you're just like, I appreciate the idea, I appreciate what's going on, but the production and how you're doing it and how it's organized, I love this idea, Mm. I really want to work on this, but to do it in the way that it should be, it's not where it needs to be. Um, because you've had it happen. I have had it happen to me multiple times. And it's not that the idea is bad or anything or like all of that. It's just like there are little pieces that goes into production and making something work that you're like, they kind of need to be there. They need to be there. They're, they're kind of, usually I find that they're, they're usually lacking the education. They don't have the know-how. I, I've gotten to uh, um, produce quite a few projects, so I do have that know-how. Mm. I just feel like whenever I mention it, they kind of like, ah, we don't need it. Like, it's okay. And I'm like, you don't know how important it is to have a tech week and not tech the day of your show. So many things can go wrong between the time, like, your last day of, of your rehearsal mm-hmm. to your actors moving into the space because now your tech needs to get used to your actors. Your actors need to get used to your tech. And then anything can go wrong, and you only have, like, 
a couple hours before you go up. Mm-hmm. That is nerve-wracking. And, you know, if your actors catch on to, like, what's happening and there's lots of, of problems and they're going on that night, like, you're going to make your actors worried. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I don't necessarily know if particularly the tech themselves have the same preparation as the actors unless it's like no you only have this one week to make sure that the play through the lights the sound everything is perfect you only have one week and then you have the time when you you know perform when you start the day of show Mm -hmm. with actors they have like weeks months to prepare and with tech it's like you either know what you're doing or you don't and you have one week to perfect it you have one week to make sure that the spotlight is following that actor you have one week to make sure that whatever the lighting cues are that has been agreed upon with the directors are the lighting cues and when it's day of show it needs to work flawlessly not just for one day day one day two day three however long it needs to last for the show to be on and if you have one day to do that it's very true. Right. And even when it comes to, like, COVID procedures, like, you've had some interesting moments where you've been trying to oh. work with someone, and it's like, the COVID procedures are like, what is happening here? Oh, gosh. And it's affecting the safety of everybody. Oh, yeah. And of course, you know, you're an actor, so most people would be like, oh, it's no big deal, but you also are, like, a producer, so the flags are going everywhere. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you were a regular actor, you're like, I mean, whatever they say, you just shrug. That's true, but yeah, I guess it's because, yeah. As a producer, you're like, what? No. <laughs> I'm like, there are things, there are rules we have to follow, there are protocols we have to take. It's true. Um, I, I did want to talk about, like, the validity of how we're talking about, because I remember I used... Gordon Ramsay, mm-hmm. and then the chef, Jonathan. You were also using, um, yes, Jonathan. Kong. Well, don't say it like that. If you knew his last name, say it. Sorry, I said. So you're comparing Jonathan um, Kong and chef Gordon Ramsay, which is like, you know, Gordon Ramsay, everybody knows him. He has all of these great shows. He's a celebrated chef. And um, Gordon Kong is like a person that I think you introduced me to through TikTok he has his own, he had his own restaurant in his apartment. Mm-hmm. And before COVID hit, he was like, you know, taking special reservations and having them come in. And I was asking, because like we worked on that con- conversation of, um, I guess, sources. Who do you, who to trust? Mm-hmm. How do you know who you can trust, who you can like interview and talk to and mm-hmm. whose experience is valid? Mm-hmm. And I brought up Gordon Ramsay and Chef Kung. Um, Gordon Ramsay, like you said, well known, right? So you'd say, yeah, he should know how to make the perfect scrambled eggs. Mm-hmm. But then you've got Chef Kung, who I don't even, I don't know if he's um, trained, like if he's went to, went to cooking school or not. I think he did. He seems to have a lot of great technique. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would trust him as a source if he said, this is how to make scrambled eggs. I'd be like, yeah, he, mm-hmm. he had his own restaurant and he like did a whole bunch of things that has proved that. Mm-hmm. And I did also mention... Um, Binging with Babish on YouTube. Yeah, because the ingenuity of entrepreneurial spirit, that's part of Babish's whole thing. Right, and he didn't start with with just, like, knowing everything. He's Mm -hmm. actually Mm self-taught. He learned on YouTube how to do all the cooking things, and, like, he just, like, made him... He made his brand from the ground up. Mm -hmm. But does that make his experience less valid because he didn't have... He wasn't professionally um, trained? He wasn't... classically like taught how to do all these things Mm -hmm. or go to like you know school or train in like you know probably france to Mm -hmm. probably do that and he has his own school too he also teaches people how to be able to cook as well taking all his years of experience and then putting it there exactly but what were your thoughts you were the one who was saying you were were kind of going on your journalistic thing because i i like to think that people um just because they don't have like a lot like they're not 
famous. They're not celebrities. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that what they're going through isn't something that you can follow. Mm-hmm. That's very true. But then going back to the other reductions that you were working with as well, it's like the ideas there, but the lack of know-how, the lack of kind of pushing into this is how it needs to be executed and done mm-hmm. and done in that space and done in that way. It does technically kind of hurt a community in a sense because when you have to do that then you have to find people who are able to say like okay unless they're doing it by themselves and they're like you know we had a bad production we learned from this we're moving forward that's fine mm-hmm. but then it's like you have that production no one tells them hey this could have been done differently hey that could have been done in a different kind of way and you keep having it and the validity is not necessarily taken away from them but you can see the final product you can see how as you said, it's di- there's a difference in having a tech week and having a tech day. You can see the difference. You can see the, how that's going in. Now, mind you, if people have the time and the money and the resources... To workshop it. To workshop it, to do it again, then yeah, cool beans. You will have a different production because you have workshopped it. You've talked with other people who may be a bit more knowledgeable in it. Or if not, you can just be like, I learned about this my first time when I did that. I did this from this time. And they're much older and you can see the change. You can see how they're like this, that, and third. They're paying attention to these particular things that need to be done, such as, you know, production value, making sure that, you know, your team is doing something in a particular way, making sure that, you know, even when production and organization, making sure that your, you know, crew and your, like, staff are fed well. I see what you mean now. You're saying, remember how we said, like, anyone can have a black box theater? We did mention that. And you're right. Anyone can have a black box theater. So Mm -hmm. what makes one one performance, like a Broadway one, different from... Off, off, off. Off, (laughs) off, 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 off Broadway. Somebody who's just trying it out, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And that's difficult because, yeah, like I was saying earlier, everyone's Everyone's got to start... Everyone has to start somewhere. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Everyone has to start somewhere. That doesn't mean that the person who's starting off should go on Broadway, though, right? I think at the end of the day, it all depends on the person's experience and the willingness of doing the work. And I think that's what we kind of came to a conclusion about. It's like, we can't go ahead and look at someone and say, like, you know, no, and just, like, discount them. I feel like as long as you're continuing to grow and Mm -hmm. continuing to learn... Right. Then, yeah, like, why shouldn't you be given a chance? Right, right. And it's, and and, and again, I think that maybe has more to do with, I think, a lot of people not being snobby and thinking like, oh, well, you were not classically trained or you didn't do this and that in the third. So why should I take a chance on you? I'm like, because they have a story to tell just like you do. And just because it may not be packaged in a certain way or done in a certain manner, or maybe it doesn't have the same, you know this because you have experience. And mind you, the experience is not free. You literally have a professional person, a person who's in the industry, who is taking a job as a teacher and taking their accumulated years of experience and pouring it into you in the next four years. This person, they have a dream and they're willing to get to that dream. And how we as a society or as a creative community assist that person kind of says a lot about us, I think. I agree. And it also says a lot about, like, I think people kind of, like, taking a step to start out. And I think that why there's there's so many people starting out. Like, even when I was interviewing, and you know because you're my producer, when we were interviewing Robbie, and she's like, I have this experience, I'm doing all of these things. And you're even seeing companies that, you know, she has it. She has the classic, I went to school, I got my master's, I should be having this job. And yet the doors are not in that space open, so it l- pushes us to make those doors open, to make a space for ourselves. Very true. There's so many people who have had to open their own doors Mm -hmm. or had to take their own um, paths 
I don't think that those people were any less valid just because they weren't chosen. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. They're working towards it, and then they end up getting their success. Right. Like, now Robbie works internationally, right? Yep. That is wild. Going from somebody who graduated, mm-hmm. didn't know where to go or what, what to do next, and then working internationally. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's the type of inspirational stories that we're talking about. Right. Th- those are the ones that you hear that you're like, if they can do it, then I can too. Exactly. But, you know, as I said, at the end of the day, I think validity comes from maybe not the outside external forces, because yes, there is a standard of excellence that we all kind of see and we're like, oh, it should be here. Or if it's not there, we all know what it looks like. Mm -hmm. But that should never have to deter someone from pushing and going forward and doing what they love and still pursuing to keep growing. You know, that's the whole point. It's all about that growth and who you're interviewing, who you're talking to, what experiences they have. It's all at those stages. Mm-hmm. Because even that production we're talking about, the that certain one that wanted to do Tech Day. Um. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like officially now we're going to have this little inside joke. It's like, is it going to be a Tech Week or a Tech Day? Honestly, what kind of production are we running here? Tech Week or Tech Day? <laughs> Someone's going to say Tech Day and be like, that's impossible. But I'm like, but it's, it's there are two types of production. Like, even as we're kind of like chuckling behind our hands, that also kind of highlights a certain type of, creative community that's there that is also in a space of disparity due to resources to a degree because renting out a theater renting out the tech crew and having the money to pay them for that week that that's there too that's true like i was talking to um the creator of that production Mm -hmm. um and i i I saw the potential Mm -hmm. now he didn't have the training he he didn't go to school for it but it was something that they, that he was passionate about. Mm-hmm. Then you so, can feel the passion. And yeah, exactly. Which is why I wanted to help him. Um, it didn't end up working out, which is okay. Um, he's still doing the production, and that's great. Um, but I think yeah, as long as you're getting that that growth and the education, you're giving it the good old college try, if you will. <laughs> I think that's that's admirable. I think like I have a question about like you as a producer. I know that we're kind of running on on time, um, but last question about like I I think I would say about producing and producers. This is I, and I don't expect you to have the answer because it's like we're all kind of going through it. But as we're opening new doors and we are seeing variance in talent and variance of experience, let's say that because talent can only go so far. As a producer, mm-hmm. when you're having to work now, mind you, it's work or volunteer. Because those are the two spaces we're in right now. If you're starting off, you may not have the, you know, capital to be like, okay, I can pay this person to do this. I can pay this person to do that. But the idea is solid. It, it could totally pay off if it has the right organization mm-hmm. and team. As we're entering a space where there's so many people starting something new and trying to enter a business or enter like a new kind of model, be in that space and be like, if that can't open for me, I'll open the door myself or make a door for me. How do we navigate, I think giving talent and giving um those creative productions that may not be there not to any fault of their own or that the idea is not great but the the pieces that need to be there to make the production at least acceptable for the public in the sense where Mm -hmm. it's run with you know excellence grace and also making sure no one gets hurt you know what would you say as a producer where we can you know work with those um kind of productions because it's like, it needs the help. You can't just kind of like sit down and be like, okay, well, you need the help. And then they don't get the help. And I mean, also in my experience, if uh, those productions need help, they have to also be willing to accept help. Mm. Let's talk about that. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time. Because do I'm, I'm, 
most of the time I'm never saying that something cannot be done or should not be done mm-hmm. to what extent. I'm not trying to cut anyone down right. with what I'm saying, right? However. However, I am trying to offer up mm-hmm. a sort of assistance that will help others. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, if, if those productions aren't accepting of the help, there's only so much you can do. Mm-hmm. And it's good, I suppose, for future producers or people who are interested in wanting to make more narratives available to kind of, like, you know, know that as well. I mean, I, I admire, like, that one production that, that definitely reached out for help. Mm-hmm. They were like, I don't have the, the resources or mm-hmm. the education, but you do. Mm-hmm. Can you help? Mm-hmm. And I was willing to do it. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, especially in college, that's literally what I was all about. Yeah. I was all about helping other people, trying to create... Um, more spaces, more opportunities for performers and for for other people who have ideas. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about how you were doing that and what was the name of that, um, what you were doing in college? Sure, yeah. In college, I was the president of Alpha Psi Omega Theater Honor Society. I really focused on working on musicals. We had other um, college clubs that were doing like other um, kind of arenas, but like people who really focused on plays, people who really focused more on um, super diverse works from like the writer's room all the way up until production. Um, Our thing was musicals. So um, I'm thinking of like one of my friends in particular. I mean like he, I think he's a classic example of somebody who didn't know, right? Mm -hmm. He kind of was going into college, going through it. He was a production design major. Before that he was an illustration major and he ended up putting up his own musical mm-hmm. multiple times um, throughout the year, or mm-hmm. throughout the years. Mm-hmm. He started out with our um, club, and then he branched off, and he opened his own um, company. Okay. What, like, you've spoken to him, and he started his own company after college, and he's, uh, he was an illustrator, and then he did production, and then now he has his... Wow, that's amazing. That's an interesting story to go into. Isn't it? it I is. mean, now he's in his master's, um, so he's, he's still writing and still, like... Uh, doing his work, but I mean, I th- I love to think that we helped him with with his workshopping space. Right. We were the beginning, and even though he had those materials, of course, like we had, we opened the door to a lot of different like um, writers and and conceptionists, and we've helped them to like workshop and like get better at what what they want to do. Right. Um, as well as helping other actors too, because that was also my concern as well as an actor. I I wanted to be able to express more stories, mm-hmm. open the door for more diversity that I wasn't seeing in my school. Mm. It's really, that's really interesting. One of my favorite examples mm-hmm. is when we did In the Heights, mm. um, which was, which was my, my, at the time it was my, my president's idea, mm-hmm. but I was a hundred percent behind it because I was like, this is going to be an amazing production of diverse people. Um, I got a little nervous because I know that the cast is majority a Latinx cast and I was like, where are we going to find those people? Like, if they aren't already booked in something, like, I don't even know where to find them. Right. But as soon as we sent out the, the call mm-hmm. at auditions, so many Latinx um, performers came to the audition. And I was, like, just blown away at the amount of talent. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was like, this is so exciting. Like, I wouldn't have known that they were here. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was a very beautiful, like, touching show. I really enjoyed performing in it. I really enjoyed helping produce it. And in the end of the day, like, it was so wonderful. I remember performers would, at the opening night, um, they'd talk about how just grateful they were for the experience, grateful to be on stage. And it's like what we needed mm-hmm. to be able to tell, like, our own stories on a stage and, and connect with the audience. We booked out both nights. Oh, wow. That's amazing. 
Congrats. Yes. Thank you. I want to say thank you, Gracie, for coming in and speaking um, with me and giving, like, really amazing advice, um, not only just, like, as my producer, but also, like, you know, as someone who's an actor, an actress, who's in this time period, who's adjusting to this. So I really appreciate you for taking the time to talk with me and to go in a bit about it. I always love talking to you about all these beautiful classical nuance ideas that we have about creators and things like that. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, are there any productions or do you want to like, you know, plug your Instagram so people can be able to find you and follow you with your work and your YouTube as much? For sure. My um, Instagram is Grace underscore Flavian, mm-hmm. um, which is F-L-A-V-I-E-N. And then um, my YouTube is just Grace Flavian, my name. <laughs> and then, of course, you can check out any new updates and things like that, either on Instagram or at my website, grace-flavian.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in and speaking with us, Gracie. And uh, you have a good one and stay safe out there. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Changing of the Guard. We're going to be back next week. I hope that you guys really enjoyed it and looking forward to hearing from you soon. So as always, stay safe and keep creating. All right, bye.